1: You know, I'm yeah, doing We can't, good. We
2: can't, we can't use your last names, huh? Well, I did Thank one time God. remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, and and but that was Bi- the only time we were ever going to edit, and then we said, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: because I think Biden's is not a popular name, so, I mean, yeah, <laughs> most people aren't even going to. Nobody knows that name. Nobody knows that name. How you doing, man? I'm kind of tired. I know.
2: I yeah. know. Well, you know, we get we get here early, but did you see the full moon? I did actually. Nah, eh, that story's too long for. All right. That that would take up this whole episode. But yeah, I saw it driving over. Actually, took a picture of it. It was super cool. Now, yeah, do you believe that um,
1: that it pulls on the magnetic full and messes with your psyche and your your emotions? I'm not sure if I believe that, but it could. You know what I believe? What do you believe? I believe I love driving in in the morning, seeing a full moon, and being able to see the full moon and not having one hand over my eye when I'm driving here. <laughs> Craven mornings. Craven mornings. Crave, man.
2: Hashtag crave morning versus uh, the old days with hashtag curse mornings. Yeah. No, nah, it's cool stuff, man. It's all good, just got a lot going on and uh but it's all super positive and you know, it's positive energy and you know what's positive? Love getting in the coffee shop with you. you know what? What's positive? What, what? we're sitting here talking like she's not in the room, but we got a table for three today. I know. I'm just wondering how <laughs> how <long laughs> we're going to chit chat. That's until, right.
1: I know. I'm so excited. So I got to tell you, <laughs>
2: our sister's back in. Yeah. This.
1: So so I I'm uh, I get the text. Hey, I'm at the coffee shop, right? So I go I go uh, to the door to to greet our guest Karen, and uh, she's she's in her car still, and she's cranking hell's bells. Cr- I mean. No, people four buildings down,
2: you know at that's the Panera. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: I love it. You are you know a what? fire. So your Hell's man.
2: Bells.
3: You said on a previous podcast yes, that we were you were gonna, thinking of changing your theme song to Hell's Bells. So I, I thought I would I love get it. in the mood today. Oh, that's, that's
2: awesome. So every time I, I come in, I, I play. You know, 40. forty-six and two. Sure, right. You know, right. I, I will sing a new song. But this morning when I got up, I just needed the extra juice. So I was playing um, "Back in Black." And highway No to hell. way! I was. So that, that was my shower music.
3: Are you so, like me? Do you pick your cars based on the stereo system? Absolutely, oh,
2: pff, totally, no doubt about I it.
3: I like getting in the car and I blare the stereo first. And the guy in the showroom is always like, "You want to take it for a ride?" I'm like, "Let's see nope. if we need to hold on." <laughs> That's
2: right. It's got God to sound Karen, right. That, that is absolutely cool. That, <laughs> right. You you
1: you are so cool. You don't look under the hood. You look you look right. under under the dash. Yeah, but right. do
2: you remember the old days where you used to put a different stereo in the car? You'd oh, sure. Yes. You know, and the you'd special JBL speakers sure. or. Pioneer. They'd be the in brand. the back. Pioneer's they fingers.
3: look like big shoe boxes yeah, in the ba- on the back dash.
2: I mean, this guy had the best JVC stereo. Man, we would just drive around, and, and there was nothing better. Gas was a quarter. We're old. <laughs> totally, twenty-nine cents a <laughs> gallon. It was great. It's great. So, what are we doing today? Yeah, you know, Ch- just chit-chatting?
1: yeah, chit-chatting with Karen. Um, you know, we had Karen. Karen, you joined us in the coffee shop. Karen in you believe it's almost been two years. Since I, you know, been I was back looking in the at the that. Coffee shop, isn't it crazy? I was on
3: a flight recently, and I was looking for some stuff. Download. Mm-hmm. I realized because I've so busy I was several podcasts behind, so I downloaded a bunch. And I'm looking, going, I can't believe this. Yeah. Like it was yeah.
1: It's been a while. It's been a while. We got, said it wouldn't last. Yeah, you, you, right. were,
2: you know, probably the first twenty. Yeah. Right? Because, well, we,
1: she helped us with the steps. Yeah, yeah and, and, I was in the, oh, in the beginning. I remember that. I'd encourage people to go back. You know, I I went back because I'm I'm doing some blog writing for us and. I went back and listened to those episodes, and as a matter of fact, this week there's a blog on, uh, and, and it, it was you walking us through Step 7, um, and we really appreciate that, yeah. yeah. So listen so, to that again. Yeah, yeah, it's we'll good check stuff. Check that out. Check the blog go read out. read it. All right, so so we got, you know, I, I said to Karen, I said, we're going to get together at the coffee shop, and she goes, all right, well, what are we going to talk about? I go, I don't know. What do you think we should talk about today? I said,
3: owning your shit. <laughs>
1: That's what that.
3: Well, I had just been in a meeting, and people were talking about how uh, someone made a comment that they were, this something had happened in their life, and it was because blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I just got a little fired up, because mm-hmm. as I listen to that person, I'm listening to them talk about how everything in their life is everybody else's problem.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just got pissed. Well, you would, have been, you would have been pissed at me a lot in my career.
3: <laughs> well, I, and I was just like that. Yeah, right. But then, after a little while, I was starting to feel sorry for them because they don't get it right. yet. They right. don't get personal accountability is the right. answer. Like right. you can't, you can't just keep putting everything on everybody else. I know it's kind of human nature to find fault mm-hmm. as soon as something happens. You see it in the media all the time. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets shot. Somebody gets in an accident. Somebody gets, well, how'd that happen? Well, what was he doing out at that time of night? Well, well why were they uh, even well, there? Right. Why, why did they go there? Why, why wasn't right. the mother with the kid? You always hear all these, instantly we go to blame. Mm-hmm. That's like a default. Isn't it terrible? Instead yeah. of looking outward or inward, we inward. look outward yeah. for whose fault is it? Right. So in the meeting then, I chose to read page 62. My oh, paragraph. Six. I'm gonna read it to you. Yeah, please. I'll read it to you if that's okay. Sure. It says, uh, "Selflessness, selfishness." I'm sorry, I'm backwards today. It must be wait, that wait, full what moon. Was just... Sixty-two. All right. It must be the full moon. I actually thought that was that Chinese
1: balloon following me. <laughs> I was worried. <laughs> okay, that was funny right there. <laughs> that yeah, was that was great.
3: Selfishness, self-centeredness—that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation. But we invariably find that at some point in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So, if you look here in the parrot in the margin, I like mm-hmm. to mark up my book. Mm-hmm. It says, It's your fault, asshole. <laughs> so,
0: awesome. if
3: you think about it, every, all of the things that went wrong in my life, and all the things that I struggled with, and all the problems, and relationships, and money, and jobs, and everything else, were the result of something that I did at some earlier point in my life. But the opposite of that is true, too. So now I don't have those troubles. Now I don't have those kind of relationship problems, and now I don't have job problems, and now I don't have, you know, I have plenty of problems, but now I don't have those same problems because I don't do the things I used to do. Right. So the things I do today also give me the results that I get today.
1: Right. And, and if, shape and shape your your the results you're going to get tomorrow.
3: Exactly. And if people would just realize that, if we could just teach them all mm-hmm. that you have complete control. If we stop blaming other people mm-hmm. and accept the responsibility, then we can take control. Mm-hmm. Then you can make changes in your life. But for as long, if it was Glenn's fault that I did something. Or, or that I'm in a situation, then only Glenn can fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not Jen, Glenn's job to fix it, and maybe Glenn doesn't want to fix it. Right. Right. So
2: can't control Glenn. I
3: don't. Right. Uh-huh. I have zero control over Glenn. Therefore, my problem remains my problem because I think it's his. I think it's because of him.
1: Right. You know, here's the thing. I love. I, lo- I love that you went right to the big book and and quoted page sixty-two. I think that, you know, we're talking about a we're talking about an issue that. Uh, is is part of our sobriety, our path to sobriety is mm-hmm. improving yourself, right? I mean, I, I found that the, the void that I had that I was looking for before when I was drinking was that, that I was trying to capture something. I don't know even know mm-hmm. what I was trying to capture. Now, in sobriety, I'm trying to capture being better, being, feeling better, mm-hmm. doing better. And so I, I absolutely love that.
3: But only you can do that for you. Right. Only you can. You're responsible for your sobriety. You're responsible for your happiness. Right. You're responsible for your finances. Right. You're responsible for your marriage. You're responsible for all
2: of your shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, own it. So through this program that, that I know called uh, the 12 Steps, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here listening and kind of trying to process it. And, and one of the things that, that I realized for my life is there's, like, external shit and internal shit. And, and when I say internal, not just what's happening inside, but things that are a result of my behaviors, right? And for, you know, up until the point of surrender and I worked the steps and I started figuring some of this stuff out, um... You know, everything else was everybody else's problem or, you know, I didn't own any of it. Right. They were the cause. And then throughout, um, you know, through the 12 steps and the analysis, you know, step four, step five, working with my sponsor on a regular basis and step eight and nine. You know, I realized that a majority of my problems were Glenn made. They were because of my self-centeredness. They were because of my ego. They were because of my fears. But if, if I cataloged 100 major problems that I've had in my life, first of all, about 95 of them are because of alcohol. And then five of them were because of self-centeredness and fear and ego. So when I removed the alcohol and started to learn a different way to live, a majority of my problems went away now when what one thing that you know for example if if I had you know if I got cancer right that's I, I don't think I did anything to get cancer maybe booze, you know, I, I don't know right but but that's a problem that I would have that Glenn didn't necessarily generate right now I can't blame anybody else for that you know unless I'm used right. to a lot of roundup right, right. Mm-hmm. but but you know, but so that's an external problem that I just need to deal with and it's just a problem on the list and and, and I need to deal with. Somewhere along the way, right, and, and Karen, I'll bounce this to you and get your insight on this. Somewhere along the way, what tools because I have a very clear understanding today of what I own and what somebody else owns. But I can't put a finger of of how that happened. Maybe it was just through the work in the twelve steps that that transition happened. You know, it's almost like the faith and fact dial, right? How that goes back and forth. You know, the it ain't my fault dial, part of the dial. To I own it, part of the dial. How it, it wasn't a light switch for me. Maybe it was part of the process. But maybe you can shed some light on on when and how that process starts to take place. Does that make sense? Well, you bring up a all
3: right, you bring up a good point. Uh, I'll clarify with say you get sick mm-hmm. or uh, you know, something else happens that's external like that. Mm-hmm. Every problem doesn't have to have a person or an entity or something responsible for it. Some problems just happen, you know? Maybe you're working for a company and the company closes, goes out of business, you lose your job. It's not their fault they didn't want to go out of business. You know, some every problem doesn't have to have a blame or someone to blame, but I think I I think it, it started for me in the first couple of years of recovery when and and I like that you said a lot of problems just go away when we take away the drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I stopped fighting with my husband over she being out stop. all night and being drunk right. when I wasn't drunk anymore. Right you know when i stayed home where i belonged so a lot of problems do just go away when you stop drinking that was amazing to me by the way some stuff just fixed itself i didn't mm-hmm. before i knew it i was like oh wait a minute we don't even argue anymore
2: and but, and, and, and think of all the time and energy and mental power that goes into drinking right oh. where am i hiding my shit who's going to catch oh. me what did i say what did i do how am i going to get the next bottle how do i get out of this how, i mean it's it was, exhausting oh, isn't it my
3: I don't. I think I'm too old if, to be drinking now. I don't think I could do it again. But I think somewhere I think along you are too. the first, I am. You know, now that I'm a grandma, you know, grand. It's not a good look for a granny. <laughs> so I think the first couple years, though, as as it was time to start handling some of the issues that I could handle. Like we were in financial trouble when when I got sober. We were gonna lose our house. A relative, thank God, stepped in and helped us out. And then I made it my mission to pay that person back early, not on this plan, but I'm going to shorten that plan and, and show him how much I appreciate him. Then it was time. Okay, it's it's time for a it's time for a, um, a new house. What do we need to do to do? And I had to start taking steps and like, oh wait a minute, when I do this, this happens. Or when it can, when it came time to um, get ready to go back to work, I wasn't working when I got sober. Mm-hmm. All right, what do I need to do that? So when i would put my plan in place all right i get a resume together make sure i got some appropriate outfits for interviews start making the phone calls start pounding the pavement start making decisions when i started doing things and and being a part of the solution to my own problems mm-hmm. that's when i started to realize wait a minute i think i get it like if i am responsible for me then i can i can be the solution so what I learned was that, you know, we always talk about looking in the mirror, the problem's in the mirror, mm-hmm. right? The solution's right there, too. Right. I'm the solution to my problem. Mm-hmm. I just have to remember to look inward and not out at the next guy. Yeah. You know, I can't make it someone else's fault as much as I would like to. And it's we just feel better about ourselves when, you know, because nobody wants to cause a problem, right? right? And Nobody wants to be like, yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be that way. So it's. I think it's innate. Instantly, we're like, well, how'd that happen? What would you do? Right. You must
1: have done this. Right. Well, you know, two, two things jump out at me. Number one, you said my mantra, it's my life mantra, look in the mirror, you know. And I say it to other people and it annoys them, but I just say it because that's how I live. I look in the mirror. I, I love the conversation so far because not everything happens is, is in our control. Like you said, the company closing down, whatever. Um, but... There's a victimhood mindset that people have that I had Oh my goodness, the the company closed down because the managers mismanaged the money. They could should have done a better job. You know, everything was everybody's fault. And and I think that's just a, a mindset that it's there's an actual thing called the victimhood mindset where you just think every all your problems are caused by somebody else and it like you said it's a terrible way to live. It just eat me it ate me up inside. When
3: when I am a victim, There are no solutions. Mm -hmm. When I'm a victim, I sit in my shit. Mm -hmm. Give you a good example. Um, Long time ago, so maybe I don't know, 12 years ago, I worked for a brokerage. Uh, The brokerage went under suddenly. We got zero notice. They said, "Come to a meeting. This, 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 this brokerage of our franchise is closing." And it was closing in six days. So I had six days to get 10 years of files out of my Mm. office, to move my furniture out of my office, and to find a new brokerage to work. Mm. And instantly, everybody was like, this is ridiculous. How'd this happen? What did he do? We've been paying our bills.
2: Meanwhile, you're packing.
3: So Mm. I had a business coach at the time. And I call him up, and I say, Mm. what do I do? He said, what are your options? I said, well, I can go to any company I want, or if I want to stay with this brand— and I wanna stay in this town, this is the only option. He said, then take your license over there, sign it, and get back to work. So while everyone else is is interviewing with seven seven, eight, nine companies. That is such and, a key. and, the, and the companies are all like throwing these like within forty eight hours, they're putting together these these elaborate cocktail parties to wine and dine us. And in in a matter of days, everybody's life is in an uproar. And I'm just packing and calling my That's clients, telling them what's going on. Thing, yep. And it was, it was a huge traumatic event, and I didn't realize it until like a year and a half later because all of my deals that were under contract, I never got paid on. So mm-hmm. once I realized the financial implications right. of it all. So it was a huge problem for me because it was the time of year where I make probably half of my mm-hmm. income for the year in that quarter. So it was a problem for me. But other people were still wallowing and not rebuilding. They weren't looking for the solution. Right. They were They're just... still complaining and bitching about how they got screwed in the deal. And yes, it was a problem for me.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
3: it affected me tremendously. Right. However, I didn't cause the problem. The only way I can fix the problem is by getting back to work.
1: Owning your own shed.
3: You know, this is if I want to make more money, this is what I need to do to solve my problem. So it doesn't matter who caused the problem. The fact is, it's my problem now,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, so I, only I can do something about it. Right, love it. And and people still talk about, oh, yeah, I lost 50 grand in that deal. Oh, yeah, I lost 20,000. Oh, yeah, I lost, I lost six grand. Oh, yeah. When I look back on that, I didn't spend the next six months wallowing and bitching every time I saw somebody mm, right. and had the opportunity to talk about it. Right. I just said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you know... At that time, there were people losing pensions. Mm-hmm. There were um, companies closing. For people, that if your company closed and you're in, say, I don't know, IT or something, you lost your job. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose my job. I used, the, I lost the brokerage that held my license. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, there's one on every street corner. Right. Right. I can right. still, I'm still licensed to do what I do. Right. So right. I'm the solution. Right. And, and we don't see that. We're always, if I'm looking at the cause or the The blame, looking to place the blame, and I'm the victim. You're not. I'm wallowing in it, and I can't.
1: You're not in motion to fix it,
3: right? I'm, I'm sitting right there, and I'm stuck in it, and Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my shit. But you know, we like to sit in our shit sometimes Mm -hmm. because it's warm and it's comfortable, Mm -hmm. and it's easier to blame you than to get off my ass and do something,
2: right? So one thing I'd like to point out about owning your shit, it's actually, and I've underlined this here, it's actually a superpower, I think. Because the world, in general, doesn't own their shit. Mm-hmm. The world loves to pass it off, loves to. So when, and, and I've seen this, and I'm working with my kids, and I'm kind of, you know, coaching them. Because they get themselves in situations. And, and the first thing, because of fear and what's the consequences and, and what's going to happen with this and that, the first thing I've, I've been coaching them, I'm like, hey, stand up and own it. And, and that's a superpower, right? And I'm telling you, the world, 98% of the world, doesn't live that way. So when you do it, you know, you, and when you stand up and you say, yeah, I did that, I apologize, let me work to fix it, it diffuses the entire situation. And many times the other people, the injured parties or the offended parties or whatever, um, you know, they look surprised. You know, and, and in their mind, they're all geared up for consequences. They're all geared up to <laughs> next steps, and I'm going to do this to you, I'm going to do this to you, I'm going to do this to you, because the whole world is programmed defensive, right? And when you stand up, you know, and I do this in business meetings, and and and, and, and I watch people's faces, right? Everybody hides for the hills. Nobody wants to own their, their shit, and, and everybody's trying to blame everybody else. So when I stand up and say, that's on me. I made that decision. Here's why I made it. Obviously, it didn't work out how I thought. Let's make an adjustment and let's figure out how to fix it. Exactly. Nobody else in the room knows what to do.
3: No, mm-hmm. it, it completely... It's a superpower. It blows people's minds yes, when it you does. own it.
2: I watch shock when people's faces are like... Oh,
3: yeah. Oh. I, I, you, one thing I've learned in my business life is that I never, I never pass the buck and I never bullshit a client. So if I say I'm going to do something, first of all, 99% of the time I do it on time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get busy and something falls through the cracks. And I'll call the client or they'll ask for it and I'll say, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. I I have no excuse for that. I got busy and I forgot to do that. I said I would do it. Let me do it right now for Mm -hmm. you. Instead of, um, oh, uh, you know, yeah. they oh, were supposed to call email. me and I... Yeah, you didn't
2: get that I don't, email. I said so, it. That's
1: a lot. So, odd.
3: so how do you
2: get pissed off at that? When, when somebody right. does that, you sit there and say... I, I'm telling you, people are overly accommodating in that situation. You know, when you sit there, Karen, if you, know, you say that to me, I'd be like, hey, Karen, I get it. Because you know, right. everybody's overloaded. Everybody drops things on the shop floor, right? But to stand up instead of making excuses... Oh, it must be stuck in my outbox. It's the biggest lie I ever hear. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. Did you check
3: your spam and then your scamper? You? Yeah, right, right, right. I don't do that. I don't it, do right. that anymore. I, I don't <laughs> act like that.
1: So, how does this affect your sobriety? I mean, how does it affect sobriety? Being owning your shit. How does it affect sobriety?
3: I think it goes far beyond that. I think it affects my life. Right. Um. It tremendously. So when. All right. To to start with the sobriety part, when I can own what I'm doing then I can truly recover. That means that I'm able to practice these principles in all my affairs, right? And if honesty is one of the principles of the program, Mm -hmm. program I'm in anyway, if honesty is one of the principles, owning it is part of being honest. Because otherwise, I got to lie. I got to say, well, he was supposed to call me and, you know, like, if I put it on someone else, I'm I'm not responsible. And if I'm doing that, not being honest with myself. If I'm not honest with me, that's
1: that's there's awesome. no, there's that's no exactly real what I was looking for.
3: There's no real recovery yeah. if I can't be honest.
2: So 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 are you saying I'm going to try to recap what you just said. Are you saying by owning your own shit it fuels better sobriety? Absolutely
3: 100%. Not only does it That's what I think too. it makes yeah. me feel better about myself. Mm-hmm.
0: Don't it have to it lie ensures
3: anymore. that I'm in a good headspace and a good spiritual condition to keep working on me. And when, better. I'm, when I'm working on being a liar and a conniver, that's, that's what exa- I was when I got here. That's right. I can't. The same person will drink again. I can't be that liar. A liar. I was a liar. A liar. will Lying Karen drinks. Honest Karen doesn't. So I don't want to go back to being that person. The same person will drink again. The power, though, the power in owning your shit, I I love that you called it a superpower. The power in it just fosters better relationships with people. You know, I I had a situation with my sister on vacation. She's going through something right now. And everybody is asking, well, how are the girls dealing with this? How is your husband doing with this? How is this... And she said to me, we were in the pool. I took her down to Florida on vacation. And we're in the pool, and she said to me, why is nobody asking how I'm doing? And because she's the one who started the situation, we assume she's fine with it. And in my head, as she's talking about how, you know, you haven't asked, you called to say, hey, what's going on? But you haven't said, how are you? Are you okay? And in my head, while she's talking, I'm planning my answer. Well, you don't call me very much, and if you, why don't you say what you need? And I can't read your mind. I'm thinking about how I'm going to make this her fault. And when she stopped talking, because you guys in the program have taught me to pause and pray before I proceed, I stopped for a minute, and I looked at her, and I said, See, you're right. I haven't done a very good job of being a big sister. You're right. I need to be there for you more. I'm sorry. I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to do better at that. And she said, that's all I need. And she started to cry. And it just, it was a very special moment between sisters, and it made us closer. And then it reminded me, she needs something from me. So a couple days later, I reach out to her. I say, hey, I'm having a couple busy days. I'm not free for a few more days. Just wanted to see how you are today. Do you need anything? I said, oh, my God. I've had a couple Good to know I'm not alone. And all it, those because examples. because yeah. I because in that moment I made the decision to wait. And hold on, this is my fault. I'm the one that made her feel that way. Right. And you know what? The my my least favorite thing in the world that is when there's conflict with two people and somebody says, "I'm sorry, you feel that."
1: Oh, ouch.
3: Oh, basically that means tough shit. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I might have done that, but so what? Yeah, so what? Well, what's wrong with you that you're letting that bother you? Mm-hmm. Instead of, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. Now, does it make sense? Should I have made them feel that way? I mean, should what I have said made them feel like but that? what? They, they probably, maybe they internalized it differently, sure. you know? Maybe, maybe it wasn't necessarily my fault, but... I still... You own part of it. If I made you feel that way, then, then I need own, to own that. You own
1: part of it. I made right. you
3: feel that way, so right. I'm sorry I did that.
1: You own 100% of the part that you played in that.
3: One, absolutely. 100% of my part.
1: Excellent. Wow, this is good stuff. Um, you know, the one thing that jumped out at me is uh, you said it and Glenn said it. You said the word coach, and it's topic for topic for another coffee, but... You know, you said in in your story about about the business closing down in six days. You said I had a business coach at the time, and that really just resonated with me. You know, people get all weird weird about oh, I'm going to have a sponsor in AA. What is that? It's a you, you had the wherewithal to have a business coach, mm-hmm. and and you have a wherewithal to have a sponsor in AA. It, it a sponsor is a sobriety coach. You know, and yeah. And that's I love that. And then Glenn turned around and said, yeah, I'm working with my kids and I'm coaching them on this. It's it is so imperative. We don't do this alone. We do this together and we can do it with good coaching from somebody who's been there before. Hmm? So, again, topic for another coffee. But
2: yeah, and that program that you referenced, Karen, I think I'm in the same program. The uh, 12 Steps, and, and we have sponsors, right? And, and my sponsor is my coach.
1: Well, by the way, we don't have sponsors <clears throat> for the show. We we have sponsors. No, we don't right. have sponsors no. for the show. I
2: would sponsor your show because it's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. I'll thank sponsor you. well, your show. Love having you. Yeah, having love you having you, you. Love talking about owning our shit. Will you come back? Um, love that yeah, you I'll gave examples. I'll come back and talk about
3: sponsorship. How's that?
0: I love that. All nice. Right. Let's do that. All right, man. You guys All have right, a great guys.
3: day.
2: All right.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.